It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. Welcome in to Rothman and Ice, Batty Ice. Anthony Rothman, CB, hanging out with you on a Tuesday. Looks like we're having a little technical difficulties with my guy AR right now. But we are back from the field trip. The golf outing yesterday was a good time. We had a lot going on last night, which we will get to. Got a nice little show uh, laid out for you guys. 1233, we'll talk to Bobby Nightingale, who covers the Reds for Cincinnati.com. He's out there at the All-Star Game. We'll get an update on where they are right now as far as what they're going to do at the trade deadline and a lot more. AR, do I have you locked in? There we go, baby. There we go. No clue. I don't know. It was Chops. Blame Chops. He was in there. Might have been the wipe down. (laughs) Might have, might have gotten some, you know, cleanser uh, yeah. in the system there. Because the, the, I just told you this, the shift between shows now oh, yeah. is much different. It's a quick line change. Because of the wipe, the wipe down. Got, got to do it. Got to do it. Welcome and to the I club, had, man. And I had been lax on the wipe down. <laughs> and then I saw you do it. And I said, yeah, I better do it. And so I started wiping oh, things man. down. And who knows? Yeah, man. Got you going. Yeah. Hey. Anyway, That's why you got a good. teammate, right? That's why you got a teammate. Pick I can pick up, you up, baby. I can pick you yeah. up. No worries at all. Uh, we got a lot to get to today. And it's, you know, I guess we'll start, we'll hit the ground running today. Because I lived this. I lived through 2010, Ohio State. I, I lived watching, you know, a number one team. And you know, I think they lost that year up at Wisconsin. I can't, I, I think that was the, the one. And... Then, you know, you pound Michigan and all that, and then the tattoo and the trading and all, everything that went on there. And I lived it, man. It was it was a wild ride. And it was at the time, Maddie, where, you know, I was telling James this during the break, and I, I think there's certainly, we're doing the show in Columbus, Ohio. Most people, most listening, are Buckeye fans. And they want to see their guys get back their wins. Um, the interesting thing about Pryor and his letter and the guys that jumped in on it was that they want the wins back. You know, what jumped into my mind? I'd want my gold pants back. Mm. The ones I traded away. I remember doing the show uh, back then, and, you know, they know they played in the games. Yeah, They know they won the games outside of that Wisconsin game. They know they won the Sugar Bowl, an exciting Sugar Bowl against Arkansas, when they picked off Ryan Mallett at the end. Mm, there's a name. And it was one of those things where what what bothered, I think, me and most people that follow Ohio State was that you could so casually trade away the things that the average fan holds so dear. Like, we celebrate the gold pants like... You gotta, you gotta win. You gotta, you can't buy those. It's a historic item. You can't buy them. Right. You had to have played and won. Big Ten championship rings, whatever. Now, I'm also not going to play that complete side of it. That what something of value to you should be the same value to someone who lived it. And that was, I I had spoken to some athletes about that, and and when you've lived it. And you've done it. 
the trophy or the ring may not have the same value. We see these athletes later on in life, things go poorly for them, mm-hmm. bad investments. Yeah. They've been very successful. They made a lot of money, and now they're down on their luck. And what do they do? They go into their closets, and they see all the stuff that they've won over the years yep. and say, and they see dollar signs. That's it. I can translate that into dollar signs. And the other thing about it was these were college kids. Right. So I'm also not transferring this, you know, a 40-year-old mindset onto someone who was 1920 at the time mm-hmm. who wanted the money, wanted the tattoos, felt like that was more important to me than rings. But now there's a an open letter by Terrell Pryor that it's time to give us our stuff back, our wins back, not our stuff, our wins back. Uh, let me get, before you jump in, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, I'll give you for the people that, you know, a, kind of a, a quick history lesson. So they were going to that fine line tattoo parlor, Ed Rife, who ran it, and they were getting allegedly discounts on tattoos and who knows what else. And Rife was being federally investigated for drug trafficking, distributing pounds and pounds and pounds of marijuana, which he later pled guilty to, and and money laundering. Mm-hmm. And Rife had met with a lawyer named Chris Cicero, who was a walk-on at Ohio State back in the 80s. And Rife never hired him to my knowledge. But after those meetings between Rife and Cicero, Cicero started emailing Tressel saying, Hey, I just want to let you know some of your guys are involved with this guy. He's being investigated for federal, federal drug trafficking, unsavory stuff. And you ought to get a handle on this. And me being a Buckeye, I want you to know about it. Mm -hmm. I think Tress thanked him and said he'd take care of it. And that was back in, I think, April of that year. And then Tress had to sign an NCAA compliance form saying that he had no knowledge, this was back in September before the season, or right right around there, that he had no knowledge of any possible wrongdoings of his athletes, that they were not involved in anything that he knew of. And he signed it. And that was his big downfall. Now he justified it and mentioned that he didn't want that he he knew his if his guys were involved with a dude that was being investigated, that he was protecting his players. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so whichever side you land on, you know, and it's all subjective in how you think about it. And I was telling James during the break, if my driver's license gets revoked because I'm going twenty over the speed limit and I get pulled over a million times, they revoke my license, and then tomorrow the speed limit goes to 100 in Ohio. We turn this 270 into the Autobahn. Do suddenly I get my license back? Like, does everything change once that rule changes? And, I, and, I'm, and I'm all about these guys, because I think there's two sides. This. One is, well, come on, it was 11 years ago, NCAA is changing, name, image, and likeness. They would have profited off stuff anyway. I think this is a little different. As far as trading memorabilia and game use stuff, that that I don't think they're 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 into just yet. And so I think there's a very very no pun intended fine line 
in wanting these guys to get their wins back for legacy, and then also understanding at the time they knew they were just shattering the rules, that it wasn't a mistake. Right. So this isn't the first guy or group of guys that we've heard Mm -hmm. now come out and circle back and you know, hint at something like this. We've had, obviously, TP now, and we talked about Reggie Bush wanting his Heisman back and all of that stuff, and we had the Fab Five guys kind of hint at something like this as well. And where I sided with the Reggie Bush stuff was, well, there was nothing that he did off the field, to me, that enhanced or helped enhance the product on the field, talking about what Reggie Bush did. And I'm going to stay consistent with this as well, because obviously the stuff that you laid out there at the time was an absolute no-no, but that wasn't anything that was they, those guys were putting in their bodies to make them better football players than where they already were. So I'm going to stay consistent. I'm not going to have an issue if this gets turned around and we do go back and recognize that season and what those guys did because on the field, those guys are putting on a show. And you mentioned what they did and accomplished at the end of the season against Arkansas. I'm not going to have a beef with it, but I know for some people, this is a heavy thing here for Ohio State. And it was a very heavy thing. It's not anything that was light at the moment. But that's where I'm at with all of these things, AR, is, I look, it's not going to be anything I think about all the time anyway, mm-hmm. as far as them being recognized and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure, they'll have things in the stadiums and all that if we get to that point. But for this story, I'll kind of just let it slide. I, I'm okay if we get back to recognizing that team that had a very good year, but with the history and everything behind it, it can make people feel a little sticky, and I understand it. But that's where I'm at with it right now. If you are not taking any PD, steroids, anything like that to cheat the game, I'm okay with now going back to recognizing what you accomplished. It's tough. It's really tough because I'm not digging in on this. I don't I don't feel like I just part of it, the giving of the wins back, it almost makes you feel like, well, what they did, that they were they were guilty of something, that they were wrongly accused. That's why we're lifting this, is because we found out later that they were wrongfully accused. That's not the case here. They admitted it. They're very they were sorry about it. They had a press conference about it. Mm-hmm. That Ohio State football team got to twelve and one, or as Terrell Pryor said in his letter, earned a twelve and one record. He's not lying, like you said. Nothing that they traded for help them, quote, cheat on the field. They may have cheated the system, Mm -hmm. which at the time was, as you say, rightfully so, a big no-no. There's a lot of hypocrisy with the NCAA, and we can get heavy into the weeds on that. And I will say this, that some people may justify saying, yeah, he's right, because of the hypocrisy of the NCAA, that they allowed them to play in the Sugar Bowl. That then the suspensions were the following year, right. and there was it was well, well, how much could you have really cared if you allowed them to play in that game? Yeah, yeah. And and Tress could have sat him if he wanted to, but he didn't. Yeah. And so I don't know how much the NCAA really cares, uh, but when it came to this, this was a pretty big deal, and their hands were out. They knew it was wrong. There's not one guy. There's not one of those guys. Prior Posey, Solomon Thomas, Mike Adams, Boom Heron. Not one of them knew it wasn't wrong. I mean, they know that. Sure. And part of the letter 
And and part of Terrell Pryor's letter is, although this could never undo what we and our families endured for breaking the rules, and that shouldn't have existed in the first place, we believe reinstating acknowledging the accomplishments of ourselves and our teammates would be a huge step in the right direction. Here's where I have a problem with that. He was he, he says that the rules should never have existed in the first place. It's possible. Now I could see why you'd believe that, because now they're lifting it. But at the time, that's not why you did it, because you felt like you deserved it. You did it because you knew you could get away with it. Like, you were getting away with it. It was... The, well, maybe there's part of that, right? That maybe at the time they did think as a collegiate athlete that we do deserve part of what's going on. I got to leave a little room for that. But name, image, and likeness is different than taking my gold pants and selling it on the side. I guess that if my property, I'm allowed to do it. Yeah. And maybe that's where it is. And that's why I'm telling you, this is a very murky situation right, now. Yep. And I'm if they want to take this public, which is what they've done, Pryor's tagging every big voice in media. He's tagging Stephen A. Smith. He's tagging Adam Schefter. He wants to get this thing out, get people right, talking, right. get some energy around it. I don't know if it's going to go. I don't know if these the the big network voices are going to carry this all the way across the goal line for him. But if they want their school records and legacy to be restored, your legacy as an athlete, Terrell, to me, has never been. Un, it doesn't need to be restored. I know you as an athlete. I saw you in the Rose Bowl with Oregon. Like I, I know what you were capable of. To me, I, I think he, there's part of him that wants his reputation back along with the wins. And I'm not really sure. You know, if you could ask him what's more important, mm-hmm. you know, getting these wins back that you know you want. Because what do we do all the time when we talk about vacated stuff? Well, we saw the games. We know they won. Correct. So I guess their place in history... A hundred years from now, when they talk, the 2010 team was really 12 and one and not 0 and one. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're fighting for? I need more from TP. I would love to hear an interview with CP and hear exactly where he was at the time and where he is now and exactly how we got to this point. And I think we know why now because of what the elephant in the room, which is NI. L, but this is going to be a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow when it comes to these type of conversations and where we are now with what these athletes have at their fingertips and the opportunities that they're going to have. So I can't knock anyone, AR, that's going to shoot this down and say, no, you guys broke the rules at the time. We are not going to acknowledge you at all for what you did. I am just on the other side of this thing, and I, th- I don't know if there's a middle ground with something like this. Can there be a middle ground? Maybe, but I think you're either on one side of this thing. You want to keep it the way it is and not acknowledge the wrongdoing and what they did and don't think they're deserving of the spotlight now, or you can say, hey, times have changed, and it's okay to go yeah. back and recognize those guys for what they accomplished, and I'm leaning more towards that yeah. side. But you'd be different if PEDs were suddenly lifted in baseball. And so everyone that was accused and, and did that, you'd be different there because that actually did cheat to make you better on the field. That's different to yeah. me. You know, that to me is actually cheating the game. And that's where I really have an issue. All right. We're off and running. We'll continue this in moments. We're off and nice on the fan. News, opinions, and insight all before breakfast. Rise and shine with morning juice. Weekdays starting at 6. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. A former country club tennis pro and a high school baseball player. Don't be too impressed. You're listening to Rothman and Ice.
I remember saying to you when all the NIL broke, Maddie, what a time to be a college athlete. What a time to be alive. Part of this falls into luck. Forgetting about NIL. What about just this time to be an athlete? What about the money that's involved with the pros? What about the guys that played back in the 40s and 50s and 60s? Were they not as lucky? Different eras have different uh, connections to them. I guarantee that there are dudes that played pro back in the day, even in the 60s and 70s, you know, prior to cable TV, that they're like, man, I wish I played now. Oh, 100%. Of course. 100%. So part of me believes, and, and this is part of just getting older, Terrell Pryor hasn't been on an NFL roster in two years. He was cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars in August of 19, so we're coming up on two years. He was cut by the Bills the year before in 2018. He was released by the Jets the year before. Part of this is, now I know what's maybe as important to me as my career was, and money. It was how I fit in, history, Ohio State, feeling connected, wanting to be a forever Buckeye. So I I get him leading the charge for this, and I understand why it's important. You and I have already admitted things that were important to you at 18 are certainly not as important to you at 28 and certainly not as important to you as 48. Mm -hmm. So you start to have different priorities, and I get it. I got a tweet here. Uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, I don't recall all of Reggie Bush details, but if you received a condo in exchange for him selecting USC, I can't forgive that as easy as Tatgate. Players getting tats doesn't influence the team like Bush picking USC over another school bettered USC. It's not true to my knowledge. He didn't. This was a wannabe agent that was hoping to sign Bush when he turned pro. Or a wannabe sports marketing company who a guy that was uh, a guy named Lloyd Lake who was friends with Reggie's stepfather and wanted to provide the family with stuff to influence Reggie to then sign with this fledgling sports agency when he chose to play pro. Mm -hmm. This was not about USC paying Reggie to play football. So I hope that, from my memory, that USC didn't buy him a car or give him money to buy a car, and that this wasn't USC boosters just flooding his Mm -hmm. bank account, from, from my memory. So uh, go ahead. No, I'll just say. So what I'm hoping for now is with all of this this new wave coming into college athletics, with the NIL chapter getting started here, and all of that is that these athletes don't get in bed with some of these people that aren't good people because that's going to be part of this as well. There's going to be people that are going to look at these athletes that aren't going to be clean cut guys and that's what you got to hope for is that we don't get athletes attached to people that are doing grimy things that are doing under the table things that they shouldn't be doing and that's why a lot of this is going to be the responsibility of the player to make these type of decisions and say okay what is allowed and what levels can I go to that are not going to get me in trouble and I think now that we have this TP situation surfacing just trying to dive into their mind at the time. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was, man. We're looking around at this premier college football program that we are a part of, and we want our piece of the pie. And that's why part of his statement saying we look forward to one day telling our story is what I can't wait to hear. And that is more of 
Give us the finite details of the why you did that. Because I'm with you. We can go back to being 19 years old and saying, hey, yeah, these gold pants are pretty good looking, man. But you know what's going to look better? This tattoo sleeve that I'm going to have on my wrist or my arm for the rest of my life. And maybe that's where they were, even though at the time we know they weren't supposed to get down and do anything like that. And that's just where I'm at with it, man, is I just need to hear a lot more from them other than this crafted statement that we got today. And I think if they come out and make some statement again from all of them and give us more, maybe that can warm up more people that are on the other side of it and then where I am right now. Yeah, and I don't I don't this isn't me. This isn't trying to convince me. I'm not even I I think they are trying to convince some people go back and say what we did wasn't that bad, and here's why. And I think they're trying he, to sway some people. He did say they looked forward to one day telling their story. There you go. And the Tattoo Five forever being a legitimate part of Ohio State's glorious history. Nothing's... Everybody know. We're not idiots. Everybody knows what happened. You took your stuff, some of your gear that, that belonged to the school, probably, and or some of the gear that either they gave you or that you took... And you decided to sell it, or trade it, rather. And maybe you did sell some, I don't know. And at the time, you took a gamble. You took a risk. It was worth it to you at the time. We all make mistakes. I was young. I made mistakes. You have. We all have. And now that there's been this reprieve in how this stuff is looked at, the wait a minute, maybe, these, maybe they should be profiting off things. Every era is different. When he writes, these rules should never have existed in the first place, that's his take on it. That's not a fact. That's not a fact. Yeah. Years and years ago, there was value to the athletic scholarship. Big value. It got kids into universities that didn't have the grades to get in there in the first place. It gave them a chance to turn their athletic talents into an education and then maybe go do it for a living, whether it was the education they were falling back on or the athletic talent that, they, that was flourishing. There was worth something. It was worth something to be developed by great coaches and trainers and get all your stuff paid for and get room and board and feel like I'm checking both boxes. But then the thing tipped. It tipped because of the money, where it always tips. Yep. So this isn't, this isn't that these guys were wronged back then. I don't look at it that way. We can all be subjective and say, okay, maybe that rule should have been softened over the years or sooner. Because the money's been around for a while now. We didn't just snap our fingers and this turned into a billion-dollar business. Yeah. been around for a while, and these coaches make it a lot of money. So um, we'll continue this because we got a, we got plenty of time to do that. We'll take a break. We'll go to Bobby Nightingale Jr. next, who's the Reds beat writer at the Inquirer. He's at the All-Star Game. And we'll talk about the Reds and being buyers and what this second half may look like. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The fan. Ohio sports destination. They both like to go to raves with the Bosa brothers. Here's Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes, and we're on the line with Bobby Nightingale, who covers the Reds for the Inquirer. Bobby, good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, let me take you back just a couple of games, and I'm wondering if you believe that the Reds believe differently about being big-time buyers here after they took the last two and picked up two games from Milwaukee. Now, four games back in the division, eight and two in their last ten. 
did just those two games swing this thing psychologically? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I, I don't think you can underestimate what these the four games against the Brewers before the break and then three after, seven straight games. I mean, you you say the Reds win one or two games against the Brewers of those seven. I mean, you're out of the you're looking at a huge uphill climb for the final two months of the season. So I think it's really hard to convince yourself to be buyers if you're that deep into the standings. But what they were able to do, take three or four in Milwaukee, uh, carry momentum into this weekend going back to Cincy, I, I do think that has a big impact in terms of just saying, all right, this team has done enough. If we can add to it, um, especially with the Cubs kind of falling out too and they're looking to be sellers, it's kind of turning into a two-team race in the Central. Um, so it's those team, two teams looking at each other. Uh, Reds three and a half games out of a playoff spot right now. So I, I do think they're in a, a lot better spot than uh, it could have been. So I think that's what leads them to being buyers. Now that we've got the GM on the record saying they're absolutely looking to be buyers here at the deadline, should we go right to the bullpen or do you think there are going to be other areas of need they look to shore up? Yeah, I think bullpen's obviously the, the number one. They're, they're going to get a ton of guys back here in the next few weeks. Uh, Michael Lorenzen should be back on Friday. Jeff Hoffman, if, if they move him to the bullpen, he could be back Friday as well. And then T.J. Antone and Lucas Sims right after. So the bullpen will get a nice little boost. Um, but if you can add one top-flight reliever, someone for those high-leverage situations, also protects you against injuries later on, um, I, I definitely think that's the one spot where they're really looking to add. Um, shortstop, if they could, I think there's just not a ton of impact shortstops available on the trade market. Trevor Story of the Colorado Rockies is probably the top hitter uh, available by trade, but um, you're going to have a lot of teams that are looking to boost their lineups with him. And then also, if you just add a bench piece, I mean, I think with Moustakis and Nick Senzel out, obviously the Reds hope to have them both back probably within a month. But, um, you know, with the unpredictable injuries, um, it seems like they're a little light on infield depth. I could see them trying to add an infielder, too, just as a backup infielder. Bobby Nightingale Jr. with us covering the Reds for the Inquirer. He's on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline. So now that they, we all can at least feel that they are going to be buyers, it would be a complete turn of events if somehow um, they dealt Castellanos. Now, I, I can't imagine they would. He leads the National League in everything. He's got career season going on. He's their vocal leader as well as a leader on the field. But he does have that opt-out. And I'm curious from your standpoint, like even before this little run, did you feel like that maybe that they could move him or that they would move him and now they won't? I never really got that sense. I mean, it was one of those they were going to have to wait and see. Say, say they went 0-7 against the Brewers and they were 14 games out of first place, you know, with two weeks to the to the trade deadline, then maybe they consider it. Uh, but the one thing with the opt-out is, say he opts out, which to me it makes a lot of sense because he'd be one of the best free agent hitters on the free agent market. Um, but you, you still can put a qualifying offer on him, which nets you draft pick compensation. Like the Reds did that last offseason with Trevor Bauer. Um, and it got him the number 30 overall pick um, in the draft on Sunday. So it's one of those, to trade him, other teams are going to look at him as a two, two-month two rental, so you're not going to get a ton of huge prospects for him. Um, but you still could get someone who's equivalent to the number 30 pick in the draft, which is still a pretty high uh, prospect even if you keep him and um, you know he opts out and he ended up signing elsewhere. I want to go back to Moustakas with you because he's been out of sight, out of mind for a, a little minute now. Can you update the injury and where he is and how close he actually is to being back? Because we know how important he can be for that lineup wherever you place him. But how how close is he and how significant is this injury that he has been dealing with? Yeah, it's pretty significant. Uh, I don't I don't think he's close. I mean, I think you're looking at maybe late August, mid-August, somewhere in there, if all things go well. 
if not maybe September or maybe he's uh, you know has trouble coming back this season. It's just one of those type of heel injuries that um, I, I think there's some tearing around like the plantar fasciitis and um, yeah, I, that's really slowed him. He was almost back in June. He was on a rehab assignment and re-aggravated it. And it was almost like he had to shut down. Um, he was in Kansas City uh, last week when the Reds were there. He got honored. Just um, the Royals did a nice tribute package because he won the World Series there. But he was still in a boot, uh, a walking boot. So he still has a long ways to go before he's running, doing baseball activities, and back out on a rehab assignment again and uh, close to returning. Bobby, what do you hear about their draft and how it went? Uh, anybody that's been labeled as a steal for the Reds? I don't know necessarily steal, but they definitely got a lot of up-the-middle talent, which I think is important. Um, you know, they got two shortstops, their first-round pick, Matt McClain, out of UCLA. Then they got another guy out of North Carolina State um, who's considered the best defensive shortstop in the draft. So I, th- I think it was important for them to kind of do that. Um, they got a center fielder, Jay Allen, out of Florida, high schooler, three-sport athlete, uh, really good football player, I think uh, quarterback in uh, South Florida. So th- that was good for them to add a center fielder, shortstop, catcher with their first three picks. Um, you know, it's premium positions, and it's one of those things, I think, as the Reds have learned, I mean, it's hard to get shortstops if they're not homegrown talent. Um, and obviously the Reds hope Jose Barrero. He used to be Jose Garcia. He was up last year. That's kind of their shortstop for the future, but – um, you know, that, that's a position they, they really had trouble filling this season. So uh, it's something I think um, was on the top of their mind was, okay, we got to get some of these type of shortstops that um, are kind of backup plans if things don't go right over the next few years. You mentioned Jose Barrero there, and I saw some kind of headlines from him coming out of that Futures game for Major League Baseball. How did he do in that, and were there any other Reds prospects that you saw uh, do some pretty good damage in that game? Yeah, Barrero homered in his first at-bat. He um, looked really strong. I mean, he still strikes out probably a little bit too much that the Reds would like. But he got recently promoted to AAA, had a really good start at AA. So he's making a lot of progress. I don't think you could rule out. I mean, if he keeps hitting well, if he keeps showing some power, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he uh, had a chance of being called up, you know, late August, September. Because he's such a great defender anyway. That's the reason he got called up last year. He was overmatched offensively, but just what he brings defensively uh, to the table is something the Reds can value. And then Nick Lodolo, the left-handed pitcher, uh, considered one of the top uh, prospects in the farm system. He pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, been dealing with a blister issue, but he has an ERA below one at AA. Um, so as soon as he kind of gets over that, I, I would expect him to move to AAA. And he's kind of on that Hunter Green-type timeline where, um, you know, if, they, if either of them keep pitching well, you can see them being wild cards in late August, September for if the Reds need a bullpen push for the playoffs. Either of those two guys are, um, you know, highly talented and could fill in a bullpen spot. All right, let me get your kind of halfway checkpoint here. 48 and 42, second in the Central, as I mentioned, four back. What has been, if any, the biggest surprise for you this year so far with the Reds? And to me, the, by far the biggest surprise has been Jonathan India, what he's been able to do. Um, you know, he, he wasn't even really on the radar at the beginning of spring training. He was just like one of those guys that um, you, heard, you, heard, you heard he did really well at the alternate site. You heard he made a lot of progress. But, uh, you know, the infield looked full. I mean, they had Moustakis, uh, Eugenio Suarez playing third base. Uh, shortstop was uh, filled by Kyle Farmer. So it was like, I don't, I don't know where he really fits in their plans and the fact that what he's been able to do, I mean, he's top 10 in baseball and on base percentage. He's a huge lift at the top of the lineup in front of Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. I mean, having, having a guy that gets on base 40% of the time um, and, and then having that with 
Jesse Winker or Nick Castellanos at the plate. I mean, that, that that's the reason why the Reds have done so much damage offensively. And talking to pitchers here at the All-Star game, guys who have faced the Reds, I mean, they, they just rave about the Reds' lineup and how tough it is. Want to hit you up on another young guy, Tyler Stevenson. He's really impressed me with what he's been able to do offensively. Has that been a shock at all to you? Not a shock, just because that was kind of like his pedigree as a prospect was always this guy could hit. He just needs to improve a little bit defensively. Um, but I, I've been impressed right along with you. I mean, I think he's a future All Star, and um, I've heard a lot of his teammates say the same thing. I mean, he just has such a mature approach. Um, a little bit different than India because he doesn't really play every day. Um, you know, splits time at catcher with Tucker Barnhart, and Barnhart's having a great offensive season. Played first base when Joey Votto was hurt. Um, but he's the guy, I mean, I, I, he's the guy you kind of build around going forward, I think. Uh, this guy's the limit once he becomes kind of your everyday starter, whether that's that catcher, whether it's that first base designated hitter. Um, you know, he, he's the guy I definitely could see him uh, once he adds power just taking off offensively. Bobby, great stuff, man. Enjoy the All-Star game, and we will check in with you as we get into the second half. Should be exciting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. Bobby Nightingale, Jr. from the Inquirer covering those red legs. All right, we'll come back, and we'll hit a little bit on the Derby last night. I'll find out if my co-host agrees that last night was certainly the highlight of this week when it comes to baseball, because, man, it was awesome. That's next, Rothman and Ice on the Fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Insightful and thought-provoking sports conversation for your lunch hour. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back in. No idea if you're still dodging the raindrops out there, but, you know. We can't see. It is what it is. (laughs) Like Vegas. No clocks. No windows. Yeah. They want us here all day, all damn night. (laughs) Uh, Home Run Derby. You were locked in, weren't you? It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was a a really... It lived up to the hype. I mean, I can say that for sure, that it lived up to the hype. And I'll give credit where credit is due. You You wanted him to win. You didn't pick him to win. But I do want to give you full credit on the air for mentioning Mancini yesterday yeah, because he got all the way to the final. And so he beats Olsen 23-22 to start this thing off. So right out of the gate, the thing's amazing. Now, one of his home runs, I think either the one that right before extra time, I don't like how serious this is, but how loose they are with the clock. And and part of it is is selfish, yeah. Because my boy Gallo, I think, got robbed of a home run where Mancini got one in the same exact instance after the buzzer. Now I don't understand why. First of all, he Olson, I think, had a chance to tie him, hit a foul home run as the clock went to zero, and Ravich is yelling, "Throw another! Throw another!" <laughs> the clock went to zero, Carl. He can't throw another. It's over. Yeah. yeah. So the time it expired and the buzzer went off before Mancini's pitch was even thrown before bonus time. And they decided to count it. And Olsen lost by one. So anybody that bet on Olsen lost, I didn't. And then Story, the hometown kid, which I think I undersold against Gallo, that part of it, Mm -hmm. beat him 20 to 19. So right out of the gate, we had two one home run victories. (laughs) Gallo hit a home run after the clock went zero and they didn't count it. I don't know if you were locked into that part. 
And I'll tell you why you wouldn't be. Because ESPN didn't say one word about it, and they never came back after the commercial and said, okay, we might have a little a controversy, yeah. or this could be under protest a little bit. This is serious stuff, man. Mm-hmm. These dudes want to win it. <laughs> so either either play it as the buzzer, yeah. or clock zero, or don't. Yeah. But I was upset that they gave Mancini a home run that they, or that they didn't give Gallo. I understand why that was a a complicated deal for you, but I got to say it was enjoyable sitting down watching that and the distance of some of these things yesterday, crazy, which we'll get to here in a second. But I told you yesterday, man, my heart was with Trey Mancini. If you didn't know, his story was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer back in March of 2020. So imagine everything that all of us were going through last year when everything shut down in March and it's double for him. So just an incredible story, but Man, I tell you what, Pete Alonzo, the polar mm. bear, that dude's an absolute monster. He knew and he was going to win it, Matty. He absolutely did. And you know what really is impressive that's kind of a hidden thing in a home run derby is the stamina that it takes to get this thing done. You saw Shohei Otani go to his knees after one of those rounds because these guys are so gas but Pete Alonzo gets this thing done again and it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone based off of some of the things he's already done in his career rookie year coming in 53 bombs 120 RBIs he's definitely got that in his bag but I just I love the location of where it was because I think when you play in Colorado for a home run derby it adds to it it adds obviously a little bit more juice to the home run derby and that's what we got last night I I thought it was a great showing for Major League Baseball but to answer your question Tonight is still better for me. The pageantry of tonight is great. I love the intros. I love, but the fact that dudes get to sit out and rightfully, you know, they want to sit out. I get, it, it doesn't have the same pull. Last night is a circus. I get that. It's more fun to go to the circus. And I think that that's really kind of what happened last night for me. Now let's get to the real story. And I kind of buried the lead. I'm glad you mentioned Alonzo because going back to back is huge. And the fact that he knew he was going to win it. He was, he was meditating. Then he was trying to relax and he's bobbing his head to the music. He was into it. He, he went to the, in. he went to the <laughs> desk and he was, he was locked. He yeah. said those words. I'm locked in. I, I really felt bad for Otani. I did. I, I, because I thought he almost was going to take a goose egg when this thing started. I'm thrilled that he salvaged it. The pressure, I think, really, really got to him. I do. And now, I also don't know if he has a BP home run swing. There you go. It's a little different. There you go. And he was just killing the ball. And I tweeted that he had trajectile dysfunction. Mm. And he really did. He needed a few at the buzzer to tie Soto. And should I tell the rest of my joke? He had trajectile dysfunction when he started. But he fixed it because he just started thinking about baseball. <laughs> now, he, boom, boom, where's the sound effect, CP? Uh, he'll be here all week. He will uh, be Otani here Otani needs a few at the buzzer to tie Soto. That thing went into what, double or triple OT? Yes. And then Soto, which I don't think this is going to be sold enough because of Alonzo, gets the three, you get three pitches, mm-hmm. three swings, and he hit all three out to he's beat Otani. He's a freak show. He's a freak show. I told you about him yesterday, and that's it was why great. It, was, it was, I was so torn with that pairing because I would have picked those guys, but I didn't want to because they were going head to head. So I sided with our guy, Mancini. Salvi, Salvi Perez was a bracket victim, 27 and gone because he had to go up against the polar bear. See he ya. got 35. Mancini, you're right. Beating story on his field mm-hmm. was great. Alonzo then beating Soto with ease. You get the sympathetic story in Mancini, who, by the way, is is a very unsung, freakishly extension on his home run swing. 
He can golf him out. He can he can chop him out. He can do whatever. He put on a show. He had 17 before bonus time. This is a dude that beat that stage three colon cancer. And then hit 22 total. If he would a little more, I thought he would, may have had a chance to really put some pressure on Alonzo. Alonzo, and this this is probably even more unsung, his 64-year-old coach, Dave Jouse, who was putting it on a tee for him, mm-hmm. he took a timeout when he got 12. There were 36 seconds left, and bonus time was coming, that bonus minute. And coming out of the timeout, Pete Alonzo hit six in a row out of the break to win it with 35 seconds left on the clock. And the interesting thing about Jouse is that when I was a kid, Maddie, his dad was a, a big-time sports writer in Chicago. Those 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 dude, the old dudes that sat around like with the dim lighting at the card table smoking <laughs> the cigars, that was his dad. <laughs> When I was a kid, I watched his dad. Oh man, and he's out there throwing BP at sixty four, putting it on a tee. It's a, it's such an important thing to get the right guy. Not even not and not just location, like you said, putting it on a tee, but it's the velocity as well. Yes, and so you got to find How that good was perfect he? velocity for your guy. And those guys were absolutely all over it. The quiz kid has come to the show today for a quiz for you, which I'll hit you with at the okay. top of the hour, involving some home runs. Home, home run. from the Derby or from you'll see. Just I don't want to give too many details, but the quiz right. kid coming back for his revenge today. Peyton Manning was at the All Star game, obviously. Yeah. Colorado, Denver, and he was asked about Rodgers. What did he say? Find out next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Radio. It opens your mind to stimulating conversation and live sports. And best of all, it still costs zero dollars. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. If you're tired of hearing about Maddie's high school baseball prowess, just wait five seconds until Anthony tells stories about his amateur tennis days. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Rothman and Ice, second hour. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice, Hayes, CB in his saddle. I was thrilled that Shohei saved himself last night. That was going to be the all-time dud, man. And I think Joey Gallo also wilted a little bit to the pressure. And they called that. They were like, you know what? This is not his thing. Even though he hits home runs, his thing is not pounding his chest and going out there. I just thought, hey, this dude's got a softball swing. He's going to knock him out there. And he lost by one to uh, Trevor Story. But uh, they were all wearing 44, which is nice. Um, as far as, you know, memorializing Hammer and Hank. No doubt, man. So that was very cool. It's the best number in sports, and, and you will not uh, steer me off that. And well, Jackie? Well, Jackie? Jackie Rob? Jackie Rob? I just, I've okay, always no, loved don't. 44. No, I, I feel so, you. Yeah. We'll, I feel we'll you. do a history lesson on that at some point, but I, yeah, I just think. Um, it just, it's the way it looks on the jersey, man. It's just, it's amazing. I, uh, so what's your little quiz kid is here with his own quiz, quiz today? Quiz kid usually has to answer. He's really, no, no, no. The I told you guys, I'm going to start flipping the script, no, give you a taste of your own medicine. So in this, this is joint. like now the student has become the master. Would you like to take a guess as who has hit the longest home run? In Major League Baseball history. Watching this yesterday. Watching you mean some in a of regular these, game? In a regular game. My guess is Mickey Mantle probably hit one out of the state and probably hit one about 570-something back in the day. Am I wrong? Is that your final answer, sir? Well, is this a trick question? No, no, or, no I promise okay. you it is not a trick question. Um, longest home run in history. In the history of the game. 
All right, so there are a couple that come to my mind. This is not derby. This is real stuff. Straight up game. All right. Stanton jumps to my mind. Giancarlo Stanton jumps to my mind. Mickey Mantle jumps to my mind. Yep. Um, CB, do you have a guess? Do you I like was going to Stanton two? just out of Stan. the blue. All right, I'm going to go. Um, you would think with that I should lean new school based on the baseballs flying farther. Yeah, yeah. Then Mantle. Real game. All right, let's not overthink this. I want it to be Mickey, but I think it's Stanton. You are so close. Mickey Mantle's second on the list. He's hit the second longest home run in Major League Baseball history back in 1953 at 5.65. Okay, close. Number one, Mr. Ruth. Babe Ruth back in 1921, apparently 575 feet. Really? So that's your top your top three. Babe Ruth, 575 in 1921. Mickey, your guy, in 53, 565. And Reggie Jackson okay. coming in at third at 539 feet back in 71. So there you go. You were close, I, though. That was a good guess. The reason I just I wouldn't think it was the babe. I just didn't think they were able yeah, to man. track that just stuff. Eating hot dogs, drinking beer, and hitting home runs, I man. Mean, they weren't even counting ribbies back then, I don't think. <laughs> but they were tracking distance. Did someone get out there with a tape measure? Uh, I guess so. I guess. Speaking so. of that, speaking of tape measure, uh, just off topic, real fast. Yeah. My, uh, you know how we were, you know, dismantling my dad's apartment, whatever, yeah. <laughs> and turn him into a suburban dude, right. and you know, loves the downtown living and all that. Um, out of the blue, he asked my brother for like a tape, like what happened to my tape measure? Wait, what? There was something else that there was something else that my brother said he wanted. And he's asking me about like the short sleeve shirts that I may have, you know, stolen from him from the apartment and stuff that he wanted. Where are my t-shirts? Like, yeah, where's my cabana wear? Like that moth ridden crap. Oh man. Um, what did he, oh yeah, my brother's, I go, I, I, Texted my brother. He's asking me about short sleeve shirts now again. Unreal. Like whether I took them. And I did take some. <laughs> I did take some. Wait, which t-shirts did you well, take? Well, I got to check now because he, he's been describing them. And then he, and then my brother says, uh, oh, yeah, well, he's asking me about a thermometer and a tape measure that see, may have been left behind. I, what is he planning on, uh, you know, knocking down walls i love that you guys can't get anything past your pops right now nothing Clearly. he knows everything that he's had and has at the moment and he ain't letting anything I, slide i wrote back my go, what in the hell would he need those for <laughs> and he goes well he wouldn't he would he just he just, he needs just, it. He just wants him, man it's his stuff it's he his stole stuff. it right he's like anth you got the uh that, oh, that, that white shirt that has those markings and there was another one i'm like it's some kind of cop. I'm like, Dad, I, I don't remember. I'll check for you. Better but it probably it got donated. Yeah. We donated awesome. all of his stuff, all of his clothing. And now it's like, well, I may need that. I have a little bit of that in me. So I totally understand yeah. where your pops is coming from. I've got clothes and stuff that I probably can't even fit anymore, man. And Ben's at the crib. And I don't know why they aren't in a dumpster somewhere. But I have that fear you of... You hope to be able to fit into them again or you've outgrown <laughs> I them. I, I don't know. Because there's a no, difference between outgrowing it yeah, I, and, I, or, you know... I think I probably can't fit 70% of that stuff anymore. Probably because just you've me being, it. Probably me just being lazy, too. That's probably a large part of it, why I haven't cleaned up yeah. everything. But I do have a little bit of that in me, that I may need this for some reason down the road, and Oldest I don't understand article why. article clothing you have? Um, boy, I've got, I've got a crew neck okay. that's at least 15 years old. Nice. And I've got some other stuff, and I still wear right. that. Good. 
CB, oldest article of clothing you own. It's the uh, crew neck sweatshirt that I got when I was really young. I went to the uh, O2 Championship game. You wear it? Can you wear Occasionally, it? Occasionally, around the house. It's a little worn yeah. to be wearing out A little out snug? Is it snug? No, we bought oh. it pretty big. Oh, okay. Baby CB Baggy. at the O2 Championship wow. game. Wait, how? Wait. There you go. I you the, that's wait, that's I guess how old I was. There you go. That's why I'm bringing it up. I was on the sideline reporting. I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> that's exactly why we brought it up. Because. <laughs> Not right. <laughs> CB in the stands, juice boxes and cookies. Very proud of you. That's very nice. Yeah. You're down there grinding. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't enjoy talking to you that way. I don't know why you insist on making me blow my top. I was waiting for that to click for you. I, I was thought out a minute. You, you say, get... but yeah, but wait a minute. How, how old were you? You want to guess it? No, just tell me. I want to guess it. I was seven years okay. old. Okay. They bought you a sweatshirt when you were seven that you can still wear now? Well, it's te- it te- technically my dad bought it, and then I kind of adopted it. Oh, it was your dad's. Oh, so okay. technically at first, So you're yes. stealing stuff from your pops just like okay. AR is. Right. Okay, let's see cool. how we get down on the show. All right. Just taking stuff from our pops. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we outed that. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, I have a... I used to have a t-shirt from 93. Mm-hmm. That's that would be, but I don't believe I have that anymore. I do have when I covered the Blue Jackets' first draft in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Mm, how's that trip? The Saddle Dome. Yeah, well, that's when expense accounts were real. And <laughs> I bought a Calgary Hitmen fleece, that brown and black fleece. I don't think with I... the little with the little Calgary Hitman, one of the great logos in all of I'll have sports. To check that out. With like he's like a Scooby Doo villain yeah. with a stick. Scooby Doo, yeah. Where are and you? I still have that fleece, man. Yeah. Do you really? So that's twenty. Oh, what's that's twenty years old. Twenty one years old. Does it get paired with the pizza sweats yeah. every now and then? It has. Yeah. The gray pizza sweats. That's How are right. they doing? All right. Yeah. They're hanging in Just there. Grinding in the oil. Just soaking <laughs> in the pizza oil. That's right. Parmesan cheese. That's part of what makes them great. Is they they've got they've got pizza Ugh. grease from several great sporting now, events over the years. Let me ask you this: Do you ever I don't do think the, I wore them during the NFC Championship game with the Vikes and the Eagles? Though, do you ever do the gone. sniff test, like the dude sniff test? The scratch you know, and sniff. We all do the sniff test where we've had stuff just yeah. laying around on the floor, and it's like, do I need to wash this? Let me do the sniff test. Do you do that with the pizza sweats and say, hey, maybe I should wash these every once in a while? Or do, no, really? I don't. So they've never been washed. If I can washed? smell them without holding them up to my nose, then I know See, it's that's time. not good. But if I've got to hold them up to my nose, I'm not going to. No, no, they're fine then. No, they're never fine. They've never been fine since the moment you decided Ooh, just, they were a paper towel. Oh, that's a nice one. Hoggy's Roadside Grill, 1996. What do you got? People sending you stuff? Yeah, yeah. We've got a hole in the middle though. That's how it should be. Yeah, that adds value to it. A hole right in the middle. Where are you talking in the middle? Like the pec area, belly button yeah, area? Yeah, like sternum. Oh, goodness. Yeah. How'd that happen? You I need to know. Get that repaired. Right? Oh, that happened. Uh, that's nice. A roadside grill, Columbus, Ohio. That's nice. 96. I'll have to go through my stuff. I may have something that's older than, than 2000. You ever? Were you ever a jersey dude growing up? Uh, I never bought jerseys for myself. I did get a jersey, I told you, gifted to me by an old girlfriend of... Uh, you know, I was a big Montana fan, so yeah. the Niners 16. Oh, that, those are the, the red one? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, oh, it's that's more... That's a good it, one. 
That's and a good I looking know, jersey. I don't even call it red. It's kind of a yeah. It was like a yeah. I love that I jersey, that? that old school Montana jersey. I think yeah. that's a good looking jersey, man. And I know I think the see. Did I see the Rams throw out something over the last twenty four hours about one of their throwbacks? Yeah, it's like a modernized version of. One of their jerseys. Okay, I, I can't yeah. wait for that, man. These yeah. helmets and throwbacks that we're going to be getting. It's in the red family. Yeah, I like that yeah. That Montana Rice yeah. era of That's those it. jerseys. What, yeah, 16. I can see yeah. why you wanted that and yeah. gifted by the girlfriend, yeah. too. That's a win. Yeah. I don't think I have it anymore. Though. I was huge on jerseys, man, growing up. Basketball. It was such no. a big deal when I was in junior high and high school. Had all type of basketball. I remember I had a Tanks. Team, team USA Mm-hmm. Charles Barkley dream team jersey and I'm so upset that I don't know where it is. Doesn't it doesn't that suck the most? Yes, cuz I would yeah. want that one. I would want to frame that one because you know dream team was amazing. It's actually a modernized version of the the uh, greatest show on turf jerseys. Is it? Okay. Now that would be a good yeah. look. Have you seen this thing? You might want to check that out. I think it's a pretty clean look. I, I took a glance at it, uh, Glance Armstrong style. But yeah. yeah, like I used to be all about it. I still, I'll still rock a jersey every once in a while. Don't care about the age thing. Uh, I don't really. No cutoff. That, no, no age no, cutoff that, that, on that. That doesn't bother Hockey's me. Hockey's different, though. I mean, you know, you see all ages wearing the hockey. I'm just like, sweater. why do you care? Not you, but yeah. why do people care what I'm wearing? Why, why does that matter to you? You know, that's a thing out there in the streets that you get to a certain age, you can only yeah. wear certain things. No, miss yeah. me with that. Wear what you want. You know where I am on that? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm in the uh, the hat backwards thing. I, I know CB's wearing his hat backwards in there. I got no problem with that. I think it looks good. So you're not doing No, that. I hear that you get to a certain age, you can't turn your hat backwards. And that's why I'm saying. Who's making these rules? I, I don't and know. who are People you to tell us what we can and cannot wear? That's People my point. that probably can't wear certain things, then they're upset. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's nuts to me. I don't wear my hat backwards every now and then. Yeah. I probably turn it backwards it, just because it's it like the whole thing we went through. And I can't remember which quarterback was doing it at his uh, the podium. Was it Stafford? Maybe that was Stafford. Howard had a big and he's dunking on. Who cares? Yeah. I don't know. People get up in arms about the littlest things that I do not understand, yeah. like clothing on another man's body. Clothing on another man's body. Mind your business. Mind it. Getting texts now of different Just different clothes. Hope your brothers. No, it's not. A, okay. He sometimes listens. Okay. Uh, oh, man. All right. Oh, Joey V, Late Night with David Letterman. That's nice. Wrong colors, though. I mean, that's wrong colors. I mean. Oh, I do like that. Maize and blue. In our neck of the yeah. woods, that ain't working, yeah. but I, I like the logo. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. All right. Well, uh, let's see. This pin, the jersey I still wear at every Buckeye game is number 23 of 96. Oh, yeah. Okay. I get it. Oh, I do like yeah. those. When you go to a game and you see someone with a really old jersey, I'm in on that. Or a favorite of mine is just a random player from the past. Not a star player, but just a random dude. I love seeing jerseys like that as well. Did you see the dude in the Mets jersey last night when Alonzo was hitting him out? And I thought he was going to turn around and it was going to say Alonzo and it said Strawberry. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Those type of jerseys, I really appreciate. Now, he's a star, obviously, back in the day. Dale Strawberry was an absolute problem. But just a dude that was kind of an okay player or had a moment mm-hmm. or two, I can appreciate the fan that recognizes that dude as well. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll get into the Peyton Manning situation. Did he lean one way or the other with Rodgers? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Always imitated, never duplicated. Your heritage sports talker and flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The fan, Ohio's sports destination. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Some great tweets coming in. 
Peter has a plaid polo button down circa 85, 86. And Levi's from the and Levi's from the late eighties in the closet. Uh yeah. Yeah, once in the eighties, but I did not enjoy it. But plaid came back a few years ago, so you're good to go. Everything's uh, back now. This man. this may be the best. Yeah. Um uh, from my from my guy Brown's Buckeyes. Bought the wife a men's stitched Vikings moss jersey in the offseason before he was traded, 150 bones. She never wore it after trying it on. Not sure what size it is. Thinks it's a medium. Could be a large. Mm. You can have it if you want. It's just sitting in the closet. Send the Addy. Drop the pin on him. All right, I'll, I'll trade you. Send that. How about a fan T-shirt? <laughs> that get it done. Some stickers. Do I have to throw some <laughs> stickers? Is that does that sweeten the pot a little bit? A dream date with Maddie Ice. Oh goodness! If it's stitched too, that's legit. It's not the press on. It kind of reminds me of the stitched hockey jersey that Dwight gave Michael Scott. <laughs> you know what name was on the back that was stitched on there for his birthday? Oh man! From Dwight. <laughs> Thanks, Dwight. Appreciate it. Man. Uh, let's move on to Peyton Manning. Yeah. Uh, he was on the set with the MLB Network. Yeah. And the possibility of him sitting out this season is been has been the drama. And I said yesterday, I hope this doesn't turn into a good movie with a really bad ending. And the bad ending would be him slithering back into camp like there's no problem. Well, see you on the 27th. Yeah. Man, we'll see you in a couple weeks. I'm going to start working out. And this was only to have the summer of George, right? Uh, Aaron Rodgers eating a block of cheese and playing golf. Yeah, man. Uh, here's Manning when he was asked about it at Coors Field. Say, I hope he plays somewhere this year. The fact that Aaron Rodgers might not yeah. play this year is, I, I can't fathom it. He's too good of a player, yes. too fun to watch for the fans. I, I personally hope it's in Green Bay because mm. that's, that's what I see him mm. as. I hope they can kind of make amends and work work out. That team is so close. Uh, if he were to leave there, it'd be a, a major change, obviously, for them. So, um my gut is he's not coming to Denver. My gut is Denver's going to, you know, have Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater be their quarterback. And at, at this point, you kind of, kind of know mm-hmm. what your plan is. We can't be having a new quarterback up three weeks before the season. He's right. Mm-hmm. I agree with Peyton, and I agree with him on the part that I've been kind of touching on. That might be getting Aaron kind of warmed up back to Green Bay is that they are so close, and he may not have these opportunities anymore with a team like this. Who knows what the future holds in the NFL? It's crazy week to week. We all know that. But that's it, man. They've been right there knocking on the door. And if you're Denver, at this point in time, sure, could Aaron Rodgers come in and figure things out and you guys have a good chance of being really good? Absolutely. We all believe that Aaron Rodgers could step into any locker room for the most part and make them a contender as long as they've got some respectable talent. And Denver definitely has that. But, man, we are so close to getting the season going. And this thing, you're going from July to February now. And you need as much team chemistry as possible. And I just don't know if that would be possible at all if we were to get a trade here in the next couple weeks. So I don't think that that's a possibility at all. And you know, if Peyton is telling you, is saying that, as tapped in as he is to Denver, it ain't going down. Aaron Rod- This is not new to Aaron Rodgers. Not- nothing's new. He knew this going in to all of this. What happened here is he was trying to force a trade, and it hasn't happened yet. And the Packers have called his bluff, like many have predicted. And right now, they're winning. 
Now, whether or not he wants them to win, like you said, they're close, and he knows that. That's nothing new to him. He knew he left a pretty good team. He knew he wanted to trade it off of a pretty good team. There's nothing new. Difference now is if you miss a day of training camp with the new CBA, you can't brush away the fine anymore. The CBA won't allow it. Now, if somehow they redo something with him and they make up the dollars elsewhere, that's fine. Remember the Zoom hype that they did before the match? And they were they they did a Jeopardy question. I saw Sam Acho do this on Get Up this morning. And Tom Brady said on the Zoom, um, who is a guy who's unhappy with his boss and plays for the Packers or whatever? Aaron Rodgers is the answer. And then Rodgers pipes in right away and said, I never said that. I never said I was unhappy with my boss. And Brady basically said, well, I said it for you. And Aaron, it was what you didn't say when you sat down and talked to Kenny May. That's how we got to the point of oh, that you have was... a beef with the front office. He never had to say it. It's the guys that he left out when he said, hey, I don't have a problem with Jay Love and the coaches. Okay, so when you list all those people, Aaron, and you don't mention the guys in the front office, we know who you have beef with. This may turn into something very basic, which is a powerful player who, who teased a holdout tried to force a trade, team had leverage, called his bluff, but not to the point where they were really mad at him publicly, even though there were some comments made about him being complicated. And dividing the fan base. Which he is. Uh. And that the fan base, you're right, the fan base divided was a little stronger for me. And now he realizes at 37, 38 years old that maybe a year off, is worse than actually playing. I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth with this like everyone has. At the very beginning, I was, he's not coming back. He'd rather dig in and sit out. He is that complicated guy. Then the opt-out was there for the taking, and he didn't take it. And I felt like, okay, there, he's not going back for the money. This is, was never about money. Yeah. He talked about culture and communication yep. and how you treat people. Yep. Well, how did that suddenly get fixed? With a few conversations? With them flying out to the coast and having a few laps? Maybe. Maybe he softened? There's a chance that they softened his stance? Maybe. With a wink-wink on the future? Sure. I think that that gets it done. That's always been, for me, the headliner right there, is that what you touched on is, hey, look, moving forward, when we get through this season and we get into next offseason, we're all going to be on the same page. Because everything that we've talked about throughout the history of Rogers' career and maybe how we got to this point leads you to they haven't been on the same page. And I totally understand that at this point in Aaron's career where these years are going to be so delicate to him and so important mm-hmm. to him that we need to be making the same decisions and the best decisions possible to keep us where we are right now. Well, the fact that he didn't take the opt-out and take all the millions and not play tells me that he does want to play football this year because it was right there for the taking. Because if I don't get a trade, which he didn't get, if I'm speaking for him, if I don't get a trade, which is what I wanted, that's my number one priority, I didn't get a trade, but I have this opt-out. If I don't get the trade, then I'm going to take the opt-out. Right. I'm going to go to door number two. The fact that he skipped door number two makes me feel like he does want to play football, that I tried this, it didn't work. Yep. I'm going to get fined 50K a day for every day missed at the camp. 
Which I don't think I, he's if, too worried if about. If I sit out the preseason, I'm going to start missing game checks yep. of over eight hundred grand, mm-hmm. And now it does start to add up. And then it's like, wait a minute. They're not trading me, and I'm going to get fined and all this. I might as well go play. And I think we may be heading back towards that. We locked in on his comments yesterday when he spoke at Tahoe about showing up in a few weeks, or we'll figure it out in yeah. a few weeks. Another part of that was he did mention yeah. that he's continuing to train, which leads to your point of that we may be seeing a circle back around that he is going to play this year because you don't need to mention that you're what are you what are you training for if you're not going to play right if you're if you know that you're not playing you're not gonna, shape. you're not going to mention I'm going to get back and we're going to start training and we'll figure it out in a few weeks so that's why that comment to me. If I was a Packers fan, it makes me pretty excited, or not maybe not excited, but it, it makes me feel a lot better than where I have been over the last couple months. Figuring it out and we'll see are totally different for me. He's already figured it out to me. Oh. He knows what he's going to do. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Basically, it's this. We'll just, you know, see what happens. So we're just going to wing it? There's a big difference between winging it and seeing what happens. He that- ain't winging this thing. Rodgers is MacGruber. He, I just figured it out. Yeah. I, I am coming back to he and Russell Wilson doing the same thing. Sam Monson next. Rothman and Ice in the fans. Good news, soccer freaks. The black and gold play here. Every game all season long. Proud to be your flagship station for the Columbus crew. The fan. Ohio sports destination. Sports talk. Well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right. Welcome back. Rothman and Ice. We go to the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline and bring on our friend Sam Monson, NFL analyst, pro football focus, and he is the man. Sam, good to have you. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing well. Uh, We've debated, like a lot of people have, projecting the value of Baker Mayfield moving forward on whether he is a 35, $40 million quarterback. You guys look at this all the time. Is he a a really good quarterback quarterback in a great system, or can he be a dude that puts a team on his back? Is he going to get the contract um, that a lot of people say that he may get, which will put him in top five territory? Well, I think the problem is that there isn't really a distinction between those two things when it comes to contract negotiation and you know what, what he's going to get paid at the end of this. It's really a binary thing. It's it's is he going to get this contract or is the team prepared to walk away from him and cut bait completely? There's going to be no kind of, there's no middle ground. There's no discounted deal because the team doesn't believe he's quite good enough to get a, you know, a top five contract or a deal that rivals the Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott kind of money. He's going to get that kind of money if they're giving him a contract. That's just the way this stuff works. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's, it's fair to wonder still if Baker Mayfield does have that top five kind of potential because we haven't quite seen it from him yet. On the other hand, this is really the first year of his career where he's going into, you know, a stable situation for, for uh, the, the second year in a row, I guess. Um, so if Baker Mayfield is going to show his ceiling or show how good he can be, this is the year we're going to see it. The problem is, the longer you wait, the more expensive the deal is getting. This upcoming year, I think for a lot of Browns fans, I think one storyline that they can't wait to follow is the Odell effect and how they make that work and how they can make that work. And that's going to be my question to you. From an X and O view and how you guys do things at PFF, the 
blending in of Odell with their strong running game, how can they make that work at a high level this upcoming year? Yeah, it's been weird, the whole Odell Beckham Jr. thing, because there's no reason that he shouldn't be a, a tremendously successful receiver in Cleveland just the way he was in New York. Obviously, injuries have be- become an effect or become a part of his career, and that's derailed it a little bit. But just generally, he hasn't meshed with this offense yet. And um, part of it is, is you know, the offense was a mess the first year he was there. And, you know, it was a mess for everybody, not just Odell Beckham Jr., and then last year, he got injured right around the time the offense started to get its stuff together and get everything figured out. So we haven't really seen Beckham in the system when everything's been firing on all cylinders and everything's been going well. So you know, I don't think there's anything special that they need to do to you know integrate him into this offense. He should fit. He's a natural number one X receiver that can win at all levels of the field, that can make plays deep down the field, that can get yards after the catch. He fits as the number one receiver in this offense, just assuming he is 100% healthy and everything continues the way it was towards the tail end of last year. Sam Monson with us from Pro Football Focus here on Rothman and Ice. Joe Burrow is back. We'll find out psychologically how he is when, when the bullets really start flying. He was sacked 32 times. Uh, he was hit a lot. You know, he was sacked and hit in top five categories of the NFL. And then they go ahead and, and draft his guy from LSU, Jamar Chase. Um, how do you feel about this duo recreating what they did in college behind this offensive line? Yeah, I love the combination being put together again. It was funny. Joe Burrow was so good that season at LSU that watching Jamar Chase's um, college tape like some of the plays were problematic to and to analyze from a Jamar Chase point of view because he literally didn't need to do anything. He, there was no adjustment involved. The ball just landed in his hands deep down the field. So, you know, we didn't even see him have to make an adjustment over a defensive back or see how he separated late in the play because it wasn't necessary. Joe Burrow was just dropping the ball into a bucket 40 yards downfield. It was incredible to watch. So for for the Bengals' sake – you know, those guys have to hope that they can recreate that chemistry and that the connection between the two of them is strong. And I think it goes both ways. Obviously, Joe Burrow was a big part in Jamar Chase having all that kind of success. But Jamar Chase might also help Joe Burrow rediscover his deep ball and rediscover, you know, some more of those big-time plays that were lacking, I guess, in his first uh, season, his rookie year. It was really an area where, we didn't see that much from him um, in his rookie season. We had a ton of Joe Burrow big plays in college and a lot of deep passes that were really successful. But in the NFL so far, it, it hasn't been a good part of his game. He's not been an accurate deep passer. And a part of that is, I think, the receivers he's been throwing to. So now we're going to see what happens if you pair him up with a guy that he did have this spectacular chemistry with. How did you feel about the Najee Harris selection by the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, look, we like their receivers on their show. There's a lot of young talent there, but they were very bad at running the rock a, a year ago. Did you think that was the right selection for them right there in the first round, or should they have gone another route, maybe taking the best offensive lineman on the board? Yeah, I think it's a bad pick, and it, it represents just a fundamental misunderstanding of how the running game works in today's NFL. Um, you don't, an elite running back almost always is not the driving force behind elite rushing success. And, you know, the data says that running backs are not the most important part in terms of generating 
a productive running game. The off the blocking, the offensive line is a far greater percentage of the puzzle, but also the passing game, like whether you're able to scare defenses off the line of scrimmage, whether you're able to dictate the box count by the formations you line up in, these things are more predictive in terms of the success you're going to have running the football than who, the name of the running back getting the handoff. So, you know, the Steelers look at Najee Harris, who's a tremendously talented running back and a complete player and a, a guy that can be there for all three downs. And they, they sort of, they get visions of Le'Veon Bell in his prime but it's not a coincidence that Le'Veon Bell has not looked like Le'Veon Bell since the situation disappeared, and he's no longer running behind one of the best offensive lines in the game. And suddenly this patient running style that everybody was celebrating for years in Pittsburgh just looks tentative and slow and plodding and, and isn't successful anymore. So I think, unfortunately, they would have been far better off throwing multiple picks at that offensive line um, and trying to get back a level of quality run blocking that means that pretty much anybody they they would plug in there will have rushing success yeah it's good stuff man i know steeler fan is is hoping that he can be all world and and save ben a little bit and and extend his career a little bit but you're right man it takes the dudes up front sam always appreciate your insight bud thanks for jumping on anytime guys take it easy you got it sam monson pro football focus he was on the brian heating coin systems Fan guest hotline. Guys want you to prioritize your health now. It's more important than ever. Let's build your immune system. Address any chronic health issues you may have. I recommend Low T Center. They specialize in men's wellness for us. Uh, They'll follow strict medical guidelines. And they're really one of the leading men's medical providers in the country now. Low T Center. They've reinvented the doctor's visit. You've heard me say that. You're going to go in and you're going to get all the important numbers. You're going to get the levels checked, not just your testosterone. So think about it differently. It's an annual wellness exam. So they're going to do a comprehensive health assessment. You get a baseline of all your numbers. You'll get all the numbers important to your health. You've heard me talk about cholesterol and certainly PSA. But if you've been feeling tired, just down, you've noticed some weight gain, loss of muscle mass, it could be low T. And if it is that, then they can advise you and get some help. But it could be low thyroid. It could be sleep apnea. And low T center is going to determine the cause and help you. And if you need the help, they offer monitored self-injected home treatments. So that's convenient. And if you need a, you want to monitor your blood pressure, they'll give you a take-home monitoring cup. So self-at-home injections and treatments, only $135 a month for self-pay. But the key is it's covered by most health insurance. So get booked today for your annual wellness exam at LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Buckeye Bolton up next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Your home for the Buckeyes, Blue Jackets, and crew. And our sincere apologies for common men singing Creed songs. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. It's a really interesting take 11 Warriors did with their Ohio State recruiting where they went and kind of talked with anonymous Ohio high school coaches about how the Buckeyes recruit the state. I want to give the athletic credit for this. This is from the athletic. Oh, I'm sorry. It says Oh, okay. So on my sheet it said 11 Warriors. It's a a link story, I believe, from 11 Warriors to the athletic. Uh, I just want to make sure we give the right No, no, absolutely. Um, It says here, if you ask any Buckeyes coach, they'll tell you that Ohio State absolutely cannot have 
long-term recruiting success without the relationships with these Ohio high school football coaches. That's Of course, that's important. And it says, the good news is it seems like the new regime is doing even better on that front than even Urban Meyer did. And one of the questions to the anonymous coaches was, have you noticed any difference in how Ohio State recruits the state under Ryan Day compared to how it did under Urban Meyer? Coach number one, the blind taste study. He said, it's just a lot more personal. The great thing that Ryan does, even if we don't have a player of that magnitude that year, you would never know that. They're still here. They're still talking. See, that's about relationships, right? No question. And that's that's in, in life in general. Yep. Is do you only Are you only here when you, when you need me mm-hmm. kind of thing? And it doesn't sound like that with this coach, with the Ryan Day regime. He says, I've been getting phone calls from three different coaches down there recently, including him, and we don't have a huge senior class. But they still call in and check in. They talk about the younger guys. It's constant communication. He said, that's the biggest difference. He goes, I've known Urban forever. If you have a good kid, he knows your name. If you didn't, he didn't know your name as the coach. Sure. And And I I understand that as well from a ultra-competitive, how can you help me? Mm -hmm. And I've got to prioritize where I spend my time. Yeah. But if you're Coach Day, what you're doing ain't wrong either. Because if that school has a guy, let's say the next few years, that's a monster recruit, you want to have that good relationship with that head coach. So that when that player says, hey, coach, at the time, what do you think of Coach Day and his staff? They'll have positive smart. things to say about you. It absolutely is smart. Another uh, kind of quote here coming out from one of the coaches is, when Ryan first got the job, I got a call from a 614 number. I didn't know who it was, so I answered, and it was Coach Day. I thought that was a nice touch. They are making more of an effort to sort of hold the Ohio kid in high importance while they recruit nationally. That's what you have to do to win the national championship. And that it's the layers, right? The blend of both. This brand goes coast to coast and can step into almost any family room and sell your kid on coming to Columbus, but you also want to take care of your backyard as well. And I know every staff does it, but to hear these, hear this from these coaches and how positive they are uh, thinking of Coach Day and his actions out there on the recruiting trail along with his staff, it's good to hear. Now, let's also be fair. Ryan Day is younger. Ryan Day was still playing college football into the 2000s. Yeah. And so there's a different connection that he probably has from an age standpoint. Yeah. The other thing about it is Urban was so established being a national championship coach mm-hmm. and wanting to get things going out of the scandal here quickly Yeah, that all of a sudden he can't be everywhere and he can't be to everyone the same. So we, we're not talking about two trains going down the tracks parallel here with Urban Meyer's career and Ryan Day's career, right? Ryan Day's an upcoming coach. He follows the legend. Mm-hmm. He wants to build the fence around Ohio. He knows how to do it. He's younger, maybe a little more relatable at the time, and realizes that I, 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 I'm not Urban Meyer. Yeah. So I can't just survive on name alone. Got to do things a little different. So I do have to. So I wanted to be fair right. that way. But that, but that and, stuff that you mentioned does not surprise me. And both coaches have their own styles. No right? doubt. Urban was right. a fiery guy. Sure, Coach Day absolutely has a fiery side. But I don't know if we've seen yeah. a ton of that from him so far in his career. But everybody's cut from a different cloth, and everybody has a different formula when it comes to coaching yeah. during game day and recruiting as well. Both dudes have smashed it, especially Coach Day. We talked about. 
about it here recently over the last month or two with all the recruits that he has got in the 2021 cycle, 2022 cycle. Nobody has anything to worry about if you're a Buckeye fan as far as talent coming to Ohio State. But when you hear these kind of behind closed doors stories about how coaches feel, that to me, that matters. That absolutely matters because you don't want to be rubbing people the wrong way around the recruiting uh, kind of circuit there. And when Ryan Day got the job, he's like, I- I'm not going to be him. Can't be him. No, Got to be your like, own guy. From a personality <laughs> right, standpoint. Right. Now, from an expectation standpoint, better be they're there. going to want you to be him. <laughs> right. Not from a record standpoint, yeah. per se, but from a title standpoint, yes. Consistency year in and year out. Mm-hmm. And grabbing a title Trust or two. Trust got one. It's got to happen. Got one. It's, look, that's you got to get one. That's part of the job, man. Yeah. It's big boy pants that you're putting on, and he knows it, but they, they are absolutely big boy pants when you were the head honcho at this program. Look. They were a game away last year, so he's had cracks at it. They've done some solid things, but that's the expectation for a lot of people is that when you recruit at this level, eventually you better turn that into the last team standing. I think most people believe now with this cycle, and maybe it's Sawyer and JTT they're putting over the top, the Ewers, whatever quarterbacks he has now, what they will turn Mm -hmm. into, that over the next, I would say, if they don't win a national title in the next four years, because then we're be, going to start talking about it as an underachievement. Because we'd we'd be talking close to a decade with Coach Day, right? Three years plus another. Four. Yeah, we'd be getting close to a decade, and that's it, right? And we we touched on it yesterday with Tom Van Haren, and he mentioned Coach Saban's yeah. comments about defense. You can't really win a ton of games defensively. You got to have a ton of firepower on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. And Coach Day absolutely is going to have that at his fingertips for the foreseeable future with all the guys that are coming in. Well, and Trust got one so early, and so did Urban. Yeah. So if I'm four years down the road and Ryan Day is the head coach for six years, then you start. And that's the weird thing about, and that's the great thing about Ohio State, too, is you start. Yes, beating Michigan is part and parcel to everything. You have to beat them. No doubt. And then you also have to beat them to feel like, now, when the playoff expands, technically you won't have to beat them to still win a national title. Right. But we may finally get into territory one day in the future, whether we're here or not, where Ohio State wins a national title without having to beat Michigan, or dare I say vice versa, I don't believe so. Yeah, yeah. But you get start getting to a bracket format where you have an upset mm-hmm. and somehow the bracket opens up and yep. your road becomes a little different. Yep. That's, but, the, that's the college football yeah. world everybody yeah. wants, apparently. Not me. Yeah. But the clock isn't necessarily ticking on Ryan Day as no. far as championships. No, meaning, no, no, no. like, he's been here too. Like, he's he hasn't lost a Big Ten game. That's what I'm saying. So, he, he's, he's in good incredible. shape. He's yeah. all right. <laughs> that is today's Buckeye Bulletin. All right, we'll come back top of the hour Sports Center update reset for you. Uh, we'll also dive into ESPN's little listing season about quarterbacks, mm. and then we'll reset a little bit about what some very infamous and famous Buckeyes want back. That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and Ice feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. All right, welcome back in. Third hour, Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Maddie Ice Hayes, and CB. Glad you're with us. And you heard in the update with Reese there about Terrell Pryor. And his mates from 10, 11 years ago now seeing an opportunity with name, image, and likeness and saying that we'd like 
our vacated wins back. Um, there are some layers to this. Uh, this is a, a it's kind of a, a gray area, not a scarlet and gray area, but it's a gray area where um, you have something that was pretty deep at the time. And I, I gave a quick history lesson at the beginning of the show, and I'll do it again for people that weren't around when it happened or a little foggy about it. And, you know, the guys were going over to that tattoo parlor on the west side, Fine Line Inc. Ed Reif was the guy that ran it. And who he eventually subsequently pled guilty to drug trafficking and money laundering. I think they had alleged, you know, hundreds of pounds of marijuana that were going to be distributed. And and the dudes were, the Ohio State guys were going over there and trading. Uh, stuff that, that most people would find pretty valuable at the time. Gold pants, um, Big Ten championship rings, gear. And they're getting either discounts on, ta- on tattoos or getting them for free. And that, hence the, the, the Tattoo 5. Um, Tress found out about that in April of 2010 and before that season. And he found out because there was a guy named Chris Cicero who's an attorney who Rife had met with on maybe taking his case. I don't believe he ever did. Um, but Cicero, being a walk-on back in the 80s, felt uh, the need to alert the Buckeye boss at the time, Jim Tressel. Um, and, and it was reported they had exchanged dozen emails or more about it and Tress probably felt at the time that I could kind of orchestrate my own investigation thanks for the heads up I'll take it from here Um, now later that fall he wound up signing Tress did the NCAA compliance form that said he had no knowledge of any possible wrongdoings by any of his athletes Um, so since Rife was involved in a federal drug investigation I believe that Tressel believed that since they were involved in a pretty unsavory with an unsavory dude, that he was quote protecting his guys. Now you can you can that's subjective in how you view that. Certainly these guys weren't backup players. Yeah. They were very important to him. Yep. Terrell Pryor, Devere Posey, Solomon Thomas, Mike Adams, and Boom Heron. Very important to him on the field. Every of every one of his players was important to him. But this was far as guys that would make an impact on his team, and they certainly were a very good team that year. Yeah. And so the Tattoo Five is now they're being called and calling themselves wants the NCAA to restore their football records. Uh, I told you earlier, I think that what happens sometimes is you see your own athletic mortality. You feel that um, you've been known for something that you don't want to be, quote, remembered for solely. Um, And I think that's what's happening here. I think there's an opportunity for Terrell Pryor and his mates to say, now, wait a minute, what we were doing back then would have been legal now. I don't know to to the degree that that's accurate because gear I don't think is involved in NIL, trading your gear that you're getting from Ohio State. Um, Now, their property was gold pants and and the rings. That's that's up to them, and we could debate that forever. And I'm, I'm one of those people that I understand that stuff that's important to me as a fan would not be important to a player who lived it and played it. Mm -hmm. You would think later on in life they would want that stuff. But we've seen athletes that have been down on their luck that have had to trade stuff that they've earned and auction it off to get money. No doubt. And it's theirs to do it. It doesn't mean they didn't break the rules back then. They did. And they knew what the rules were. And they played in a different era. There are, there are athletes from the 60s, 70s, 80s that would love to be playing now in the pros and making the money these guys are making. And, and so you're very fortunate now to be a college athlete because things have tipped. We've debated whether they've tipped 
in the right reason or wrong reasons, but they've tipped because of the billions of dollars that's being generated. Everything changes. And so when Pryor writes in his letter, Maddie, his open letter, although this could never undo what we and our families have endured for breaking the rules that shouldn't have existed in the first place, we believe reinstating and acknowledging the accomplishments of ourselves and our teammates would be a huge step in the right direction. I think they want it reinstated because this is how they want to feel connected to Ohio State. And since now this is not as frowned upon, that it might cast a different light on what they were doing 11 years ago. And I would say they're probably right in that the views will soften over time. And what softens over time is your feel and your animosity towards things. We do the show in Columbus, Ohio. I'm not rooting for any of these guys not to have their wins back. But part of me feels like they knew exactly what they were doing at the time and they took the risk. I would rather have my gold pants back than the wins, to be honest with you. I don't think those are ever coming back. Or the ring or stuff they can gift to their grandchildren or children one day. But those probably are never coming back. Could we make them another pair of gold pants? Certainly. Yeah, I mean, a that, replica you know, would right. be fine. But the sure. original pair that I won, I would think would mean something to them. Of course. Yeah. It's a trinket. Right. It's what it represents. Yeah. And they were willing to trade it back then because they were college kids. And they got to run out in the tunnel. They got to play in those games. Mm-hmm. It sounds like they didn't need that. The tattoo was worth more at the time than the ring was. Or the cleats were. Or the jersey was. Or anything. Um, so I understand why they're, they're finding this as an opportunity. I just, the sympathy I have for them is certainly covering Ohio state and covering that team at the time and knowing the kind of guys they are, they're not bad dudes, but they risked something and they broke rules. They knew were in place and they risked eligibility and they risked their season and their coach tried to protect it from getting out. And then it got out. And the snowball got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so if they're calling for their school records and their legacy to be restored, I do actually find that as pure as it gets as far as what they're asking for. They're asking for how they're remembered in history, how their team is remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part and parcel to then how they will be remembered. I know how good of a player Terrell was. I know how good a player all these guys were. Right. And I know they won those games because I watched them and I covered them. The fact that they want them back now is is interesting to me as far as it being somewhat of a reach, I think. But they're tagging everyone they can as far as the big names in national media to try to carry this ball over the goal line for them. And we'll see where this goes as far as what you just touched on with the coverage. And we'll also see if we hear anything from the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Do we get anything from the NCAA as far as a statement that we're open to this or we're closing the book on it or it's dead or whatever, that's what I cannot wait to see. But I do think that if we do circle around Mm -hmm. and that this is going to be recognized and highlighted again, it's not going to erase for some people what happened. Now, sure, we could look in the record books or look up there in the shoe or whatever we're going to do with this stuff if we get to that point and say, Okay, yeah, like you said, we watched those dudes ball out. We saw what they did in the Sugar Bowl. We've seen all of that stuff, and it was a solid year for a very solid football team. But for some people, they're not going to be able to crawl out of that, and maybe even more so than for people that aren't wrapped up in Buckeye Nation. Of course, Buckeye Nation is going to be forgiving to this group of guys, or a large majority, I would have to imagine, it's going to be forgiving to these guys based off of what they did because it is hindsight, and we're so far removed from Mm -hmm. it now. But it ain't going away. 
it's never going to be a, that didn't happen. We know. Just like you said, we watched you guys play. We saw that, and we know what you guys did in this situation to lead to the whole mess in the first place, which ain't going away. I've been in the camp of, look, man, if you haven't been enhancing your body with anything that helps you on the field on a weekly basis, I'm good with being recognized. Now, Fab Five, Reggie Bush, give him his Heisman back. These guys now, I'm okay with it. But I also understand for some people, they don't want those guys to receive some of that stuff back. Yeah. And I'm okay it's, with that too for the, with those people. Would you have a different feel on it? Because I think it's the NIL stuff that's driving this. That this was our property. We traded it. We We basically benefited from our likeness which is what these guys are going to be able to do. Now, it, it, the NIL rules and regulations, I, from what I've read now, you can't trade team-issued gear. Um, I don't think the NCAA has set every guideline, mm-hmm. so this is still a very, very broad, very broad deal. Right. I know what these guys are asking for. Basically, what they're saying is, if, if we did the same thing now, mm-hmm. moving forward, no one would bat an eye. We'd be allowed to do it. And I'm not even sure whether I know that for a fact right, yet. Me either. So we're still very I, much in our own. I, they're I, in their own end zone as far as trying to 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 get the NCAA to say, oh, suddenly we're going to, to uh, bring your wins back from 2010. I, it's a great area. This very this is a very this is such a great area when you talk about this specific story and tying it into where we are right now and i can't wait to hear more of the reason why it was the root of this solely we were college kids and we were having conversations of we aren't Mm -hmm. getting enough financially was that the driving force of this thing because we've heard for years and years and years athletes come out and talk about these this situation here where they feel like their portion of the pie is going in the wrong mouth. It's going into everyone else's mouths and stomachs but ours. Was that the driving force of this? Okay. Some, maybe. All, no way. And and so it's it's about what can I get at the time? Is there the opportunities there? I'm a famous football player. I've got stuff you want. You've got stuff I want. Let's do a deal. The difference between then and now is that if any of these dudes wanted to receive compensation for their stuff, you have to actually submit a verbal or you have to submit a written or propose it verbally in agreement that Ohio State does with that open doors in advance. And then Ohio State has to review that, make sure there's no conflicts. Like this is, a, there are some hoops to jump mm-hmm. through. You can't just go to a tattoo parlor a month from now or three months from now and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm giving you here some tickets to a game or here's something. I want something in return." I yeah. think there's still a very fine line, mm-hmm. no pun intended, to what they're doing. That you can't just enter into a contract. Um, you may negotiate it and stuff, but Ohio State's going to help them walk this tightrope so it's not just open hands for everyone and I'll drive what I want, I'll get what I want, and here come the boosters, and now all of a sudden you're getting into another murky area. Uh, and that's why we need more from the NCAA, and that's why in the back of my mind I am a little concerned about the road we're headed on because this isn't going to be clean cut. There isn't. This isn't going to be... All of these guys making good decisions. And I have to imagine some of these businessmen and women that are going to get in bed with some of these athletes and all that stuff may not be the best people either. We know how it works out there, and especially when money is such a big deal for everyone involved. So now, man, 
I'm just throwing my hands up. I know what side of the fence I'm on. I know there's a, a lot of people on the other side of the fence as well. But now we need to hear from the NCAA, not only on this, but everything else as far as what they plan on doing with these type of stories that we've seen throughout the last 20 to 30 years and even beyond that where these type of scandals have popped up in college athletics. They need to come out before we get to football season and say, this is what can be done. This is what cannot, what cannot be done. Because if we don't get that, this is going to be fun for a lot of people, but I have to imagine we're going to have some stories come up that look a little sketchy. Well, it's out there. I mean, there there's, it's out there as far as what, is being allowed moving forward. But I'm saying these questions that we're bringing up with going back with this type of stuff and can a guy go into, like you said, a tattoo parlor and say, hey, here's my game-worn jersey from when we played Oregon a week ago. How much you want for this? Diehard Buckeye fan would say, give it all back. Give give them the records. I get that. I understand. The fandom is going to lead part of this. And then there's other stuff and, and where I feel like, okay, at the time, you knew that this was illegal and you took the risk if somehow you know i understand how time softens it Mm -hmm. and i don't understand where you are that you don't have as much energy why am i fighting against something that happened 11 years ago i'm not i'm just i want to acknowledge the fact that these dudes are probably seeing that this stuff is more important to them now than it was 11 years ago and i was a kid back then and i made mistakes and now that we're softening on this can you soften on vacating our wins. Can yeah. you bring them back? That way the school can have the wins in their history books. We can have the wins as far as we played on that team. We won 12 games. Yeah. Says we won none now. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're finding out a really important lesson in life that as you move forward, your priorities change and what is important to you changes and how you're remembered and your legacy matters. above all will matter. Matters. doesn't matter when you're 20 years old. You right. want a couple hundred bucks in your pocket. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get it. We'll come back, play a little truth. Rothman and Ice in the fan. Insightful, respected, drunk. One of those things properly describes Bishop and Laurenitis. Listen and decide for yourself. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The fan. Two guys who love a good fantasy draft. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, guys, back to encourage you to take care of your health. A lot easier than you think at Low T Center. Reinvented that doctor's visit. None of that long waiting. I'm not matching your appointment time. So it's quick and easy. You'll get all your levels checked at Low T Center, not just your T levels. They're going to offer you a comprehensive health assessment. So you're going to get all the numbers important to your health. So if you got that lack of motivation and drive, notice the weight gain, losing muscle mass, could have low T, could be low thyroid, could be sleep apnea. What Low T Center is going to do is determine the cause of your symptoms and get you back to feeling your best. Do it. It makes a big difference. Starts with their quick and easy health assessment. And by the way, it's covered by most health insurance. So that's key. So get after it. And then if you need the help, they'll certainly advise you along the way. If you want, you can get the monitored self-injected home testosterone treatment. So it's convenient there. Safety. And it's at a great cost. So schedule your health assessment. That's the number one thing to do now. Go to LowTCenter.com. LowTCenter reinventing men's health care. Truth time. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. Mr. CB. All right, so Team USA has been going through a little bit of a rough patch, and they lost two exhibition games in a row, first to Nigeria, second to Australia. It's the first time since the pros started playing in 1992 that Team USA has lost two games in a row in the exhibition unit. I want to ask you, is there any cause for concern? I'm worried. 
I am worried. Bouncing back and forth between the home run derby and this game last night, former Cleveland Cavalier, Delhi, giving Dame Dalla all the problems he wanted. Matisse Thiebel, one of the best young defenders in the league, balling out Patty Mills, Joe Engel. So they had a really legitimate squad as far as NBA players go. But right now, how can I not be concerned? What we're used to when it comes to two Team USA and the Olympics is, for the most part, dominance. That's how we kind of remember Team USA, especially in that sport. Now, look, they've got all the talent in the world that you can want outside of a couple names like LeBron and Steph. But the competition around the world is better. The rules are different. The three-point line's closer. No shot clock violation. So this gets tricky for our guys going over there. So I still think they're going to get this thing done. But I don't know if we're getting dream team numbers that we've seen from the years past. Yeah, my level of concern is not that much based on the fact that they know they have the most talented roster. However... What we've seen now is a new group with limited practice, and it's showing. And they're not putting the energy in for these games, which I get. They're not defending the perimeter I saw last night. They're not closing out quarters. There's not a killer instinct. Now, maybe isn't isn't Booker and Middleton and Drew going to join them after the finals? They're on the way. Okay, so they'll be on the way. So that'll be big. But you're right. No LeBron, no Steph, no Harden, no AD. Kyrie. And others. Right, and Kyrie. Yeah. So you're right. It's it, it still, to me, is the most talented roster in the Olympics. But they got to start playing like a team, and I think they do feel like they got the flip the switch type stuff, and yeah. the way Popovich is now acting like uh, get himself. off my lawn. Yeah, like how <laughs> how dare you ask us to blow out a team? Oh um, but goodness. I to answer your original question, minor concern. Real quick, let minor. me hop in here because I think Ar the next opponent for them mm-hmm. is your boy Rudy Gobert. They're one of the better ones. No doubt. They're one of the they're better teams. Be they're probably a top three team in the Olympics. They're going to have a problem when yeah. they see Luka, too. So, no, they're going to have their hands full. But I think overall, yeah. dominance will kick in. They just have too much talent there are top to bottom. probably four teams that they're competing with. Yeah. Tops. The truth. It's overrated. Okay, our daily fan poll sponsored by Riker Kia. It's which, uh, which team do you think is going to win the All-Star game tonight? The AL or the NL? Well, I'm not picking against my guys. I mean, two of my guys are starting. I can't pick the American League. It'd be nonsense as a Reds fan. I'm going to go with the National League. Get Otani on the bump for the AL to start mm-hmm. this thing. That's going to be fun. But both rosters are just an absolute joke when you look at it as it should be. I mean, it is the All-Star game we're talking about. But, yeah, man, I'm in the division. I'm in the a- I'm in the NL. Riding with them. No DeGrom, no Gosman. Uh, Scherzer's back after being tattooed, but he's an All-Star. Crazy eyes. He's an, he's an All-Star uh, stand out anyway, so uh, I think you got the favorites to the NL. I'm going to ride with the AL in a high-scoring game in okay. Colorado. No more sticky stuff. Mm. And let's get some of these dudes hitting that ball out there. So I'll go with the uh, AL and I'll go with, uh, by the way, Shohei versus Tatis Jr. Must see TV. Right out of the gate? Must see TV. Going to be amazing. Give me AL. You calling me a liar? I ain't calling you a truther. All right, so Pete Alonso dominated last night to his back-to-back victory in the Home Run Derby. We also know that Fernando Tatis opted out of joining the Home Run Derby this year. Who is someone you think that could really challenge him in the years to come if Alonso keeps on going into this event? Well, the guy you mentioned, Tatis, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. could probably put on well, a little bit of a show. If he's healthy by then. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. But a couple of the big boppers that I would love to see would be Schwarber, and if they recall him, your mean Mercedes. I mean, he was the 
power dude at the beginning of the year. It was a great story. I saw that he just hit one four sixty plus in the minors. So there so are. Is he's gonna be back in the big. What's what I'm <laughs> saying? No, he he's, a, he's ripe for a recall. <laughs> we know Tony Larusa already hates him. Yeah, so he, was, he, he hit under two hundred ever since that incident happened. Yeah. yeah. And the manager, but we're talking home run derby here. So. I know. I'm just saying. I yeah. like the. I like the idea. I'm just hoping he's on the team. Because your boy Eloy's coming back for the White Sox. Well, I know. We've already talked. Don't <laughs> and, say it too loud. Okay, Somebody well, might sorry, leave. Might um, I'm going to go with. I think a guy you're very familiar uh-huh. with. Give me Jordan Alvarez down in oh, H Town. Six five two twenty five already has sixteen home like runs that. at the break. That that's a smooth swinging lefty right there, Big dude, for America's Big most hated dude. team right now. But that dude is an absolute problem, man. Young prospect, only twenty four mm-hmm. years old. I think it would be fun to see him put on a show, standing in the left side of the box and just hitting tanks out of whatever stadium they're going to be in next year. What about the big Chorbowski? Tell the truth. Got a great year. It'd be cool, Middletown yeah. guy, real Ohio yeah. guy. That's fine, but yeah, I don't know if I get too excited to see Kyle Schwarber. That's just me, cool. though. All Monster right, year. our quick final one: Would you rather work for Michael Scott or Mr. Burns from The Simpsons? Michael Scott, for sure. Yeah, that's that's. I it. just feel like you can manipulate him. <laughs> You're not manipulating Mr. Burns. No. That dude's just out for you all the time, twenty four seven. There's no getting around him no. unless you can somehow glorify his ego. But uh, no, I I think with Scott. Yeah, it's just free I mean, flowing. Look at what they've look at what you can you can pull off yeah. if you're semi smart against them. <laughs> Do whatever like, you want. It would be unbelievable. <laughs> right? Put two on the board for uh oh Mr. Scott. I'm with you on that. And the truth shall set you free. Did you run through the finish line on the office? Yeah. You once, did? once once they took it off Netflix, I was out. He was gone. Yeah, was I don't even know where I left people. off, man. I'm gonna have to go look. I think it's somewhere, maybe on like Peacock or oh, I don't know where it is now. Here's what I need from you. Yeah, now you that you're back. Yeah, yeah. So Walking Dead starts again another season, I think, in August. Really? But C B was telling that maybe I think it's season ten that was last year, which wasn't on Netflix. Well, now get. I need to know when that's wait, going wait, wait. on Netflix. So you need season. You need to get caught up. You're, I need last year's season on Netflix, which wasn't okay because the live season is coming up soon. I think usually sometimes how it works for some of these apps is they'll release the prior season like right before the new one comes out, or a little bit of time for that. So I got a long ways to go. You had me interested last year. You had me interested. You wanted me to hop back on, but we got to the middle of the seas the series, and I was just like, yeah, you know, I got it. Just all right. What do you got? Well, here's my theory on that real fast. Yeah. The people that thought that The Walking Dead slowed down and was nothing like after season four are the people that probably watched it week to week. So I could understand why you thought episodes were slow. Uh, but a dude like me that burned through three, four a day. Maybe it just sucked. It never was maybe slow. It just sucked. No, maybe it gotta, didn't suck. Maybe we got to chalk it up to an L like we did the last season Walking of Game Dead, of Thrones. actually waiting season 10 release on Netflix. Think- Wait no longer. July 26th. And then the the latest season eleven August twenty second. Keep me posted. I got too much stuff going on. Succession's coming back. That's Patrick a way better show. Schmidt is up next at Fan Sided. Jumps on Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your Heritage Sports Talker and home of Ohio State Athletics. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Joggers or sweatpants. Either way, one size fits all. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Patrick Schmidt, our guy, the senior editor for college sports at Fan Sided. 
jumps on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Hey, Pat. How you guys doing today? Pretty good, man. We had uh, uh, Morning Juice on our on our station here at Phil Steele on last week, and uh, he ranked Michigan 60th in his magazine. Now, he went on to explain that the ranking, which is kind of counterintuitive to how you'd rank teams, you, you think you'd rank them based on talent. He ranked them, he explained that that's where he probably thinks they'll finish record-wise, which is a little weird to me, but he went on to say that he actually has them rated 40th most talented team in the country, which isn't great either. Where do you stand on what Harbaugh has to work with this year? Boy, that's, uh, you know, Phil Steele is one of the best, one of the uh, the OGs uh, covering college football and yeah, that sounds like a, a big indictment on uh, on Jim Harbaugh there with, uh, you know, a better talented roster and, you know, disappointing record-wise there. Uh, I'd probably say they're better than the 60th best team in the country. Um, I'd probably have them entering the season probably in that 25 to kind of 40 range there. Um, we'll see how good Cade McNamara can be at quarterback. Showed some flashes at the end of last season. Really, Michigan had nothing to be to be proud of last year. Uh, it was pretty awful after uh, their season opening win against Minnesota, and after that, you know, everything kind of went off the rails. Uh, you know, taking all things into consideration for how wacky last season was for Michigan, for the Big Ten, for everybody, maybe give them a slight benefit of the doubt. But if Gabe McNamara could be, you know, solid, average, you know, one of the fourth or fifth best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, I think. Michigan is, I mean, you know, I think they should be able to win eight games. They go eight and four. It's not great, but it's not 60th best team in the country or 60th worst team in the country. So there's some talent on that team. Aiden Hutchinson might be a first-round pick on the defensive line. He got hurt at the end of last year. Uh, He came back, foregoed the draft because of that injury. So, you know, there's some talent there. Certainly haven't recruited as well as they have at the start of the Harbaugh era or, or as well as, you know, Ohio State has to compete in the Big Ten. But, I'd probably say they're in that 25 to 40 range, you know, entering the season based on their talent. Um, and yeah, I, I think it'll be a little bit of a bounce back here. I mean, you go two and four, you got to be better than that. So I'm really not going out of the limb, but I think I'd probably disagree there with Phil Steele as much as I respect him. I think they're you know, one of the top 40 teams, not top 60. As you look around the rest of the Big Ten, outside of Ohio State, is there a team you're kind of warming up to as far as you like what they're going to be bringing to the table this upcoming year? Yeah, obviously Ohio State is head and shoulders above the rest of the competition as it, as it always uh, seems to be. Um, you know, I think Wisconsin's pretty good. Um, you know, a lot of consistency in that program um, year in and year out. You know, um, Graham Mertz showed some flashes in that season open last year, had one of the best debuts we've ever seen from a Wisconsin, not even just debuts, one of the best performances from a Wisconsin quarterback uh, in a long, long time. So, um, you know, COVID held him out last year, and that kind of just kind of derailed their season as well. But I think if he's healthy, uh, I think Wisconsin got a chance to be the best team in their division. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in Chicago, so Northwestern are kind of the, the local team, the hometown team, so to speak. And they had a great season last year. Um, we know a couple appearances in the Big Ten Championship game in the last few years. I don't know if they can get back again. They lose some some talented uh, some some talented players on both sides of the ball. But I'm probably thinking Wisconsin's the team to beat in the West. Iowa, they got a nice mix of talent as well. They might be the second best team in that division. Indiana, I you know I like it. It's always nice and cool and interesting when you see 
non-traditional programs kind of creep up and, you know, kind of hang with, you know, the big boys a little bit. And they upset Penn State last year, and they had a, a really, really, really great year. Tom Allen is, is a great coach. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if they could kind of, you know, what they could do in this encore season. Um, I think Penn State will, will bounce back. Uh, they'll, you know, they got some talent, much more talented team than, you know, Wisconsin and Iowa and, and Michigan uh, based on how well they've recruited. And James Franklin, I like him as a coach. So I'd probably say Ohio State's the team to beat, obviously. But, you know, for potential Big Ten championship games, I think it could be Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Alabama lost a lot to the NFL, especially right there on the offensive side of the football. Is this going to be an immediate bounce back year for them? And maybe not to the level that we saw yesterday with the Heisman, last year, excuse me, with the Heisman Trophy winner at wide receiver. But uh, where are you right now with this Alabama offense? Yeah, boy, they lost a lot, and that's really an understatement. They lose the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith, the best quarterback, Mac Jones, uh, Jalen Waddell, you know, another first-round back uh, receiver. Uh, Najee Harris, the Doak winner, he's gone. Alex Sutherwood, the best offensive lineman, he's gone. And all these guys, you know, top 20, top 25 picks. So that is a lot to replace. And, you know, Alabama, just like Ohio State, they don't, you know, rebuild, they reload, and, that's a lot they got to reload, and I'm a big believer in Bryce Young, their, their quarterback, and he's out of California, former five-star guy. Guy was pretty much undefeated in high school, only lost to DJ Uyunglele, the, the quarterback at Clemson, so that's, uh, that's not too shabby, but there's a lot of new faces and a lot of production they got to replace there, and, you know, I, I think I picked Alabama to win the SEC for pretty much the last 10, 12 years or whatever, and I'm probably still going to do that just because. Uh, the odds say they're going to win, but I don't know if they're going to win the national championship. I don't know if, you know, maybe this is the year Georgia finally knocks them off. But, uh, boy, that is a lot of production to replace. you, you got to trust the brand, trust the program, trust Nick Saban. But I think this is a year where, where teams are going to finally have their say to get a little bit of a revenge against Alabama. Patrick Schmidt with us at Fansided covering college football. All right, I'll, I'll make this the final one and a quick one. It's a team that, to me – is different only because they're set at quarterback, and that's Oklahoma. And I'm just, I'll question this, and, you know, is their defense set up this year to ride along with them and, and be a balanced enough team? Um, their offense certainly can shred people, I would think. How do you feel about Oklahoma's chances to win it all? Yeah, Oklahoma is probably the safest pick. You know, we talk about all this quarterback turnover, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, all new quarterbacks coming in. Um, and Georgia, to a lesser extent, they got JT Daniels returning. So they're kind of a, a, you know, maybe that fifth or sixth best team in the country. But yeah, Oklahoma loved them. Uh, Spencer Rattler learned a lot last year, grew up a lot. Uh, and this defense has been the bugaboo, you know, pretty much the last five, six years, all of this Lincoln Riley uh, tenure. But it, it's gotten a lot better in recent years, a lot more balanced, especially last year. Um, it's good enough to win the Big 12. I think Iowa State's going to be good, but maybe not good enough to, to get to the, the college football playoff. But, uh, boy, I don't know if it's going to be good enough to win the national championship, but I think they're the safest pick right now to win the national championship because of the quarterback. And, you know, as long as they can keep the other team from scoring 35, I think that defense will be good enough to win most games. Good job. Patrick Schmidt, love having you on, man. As we get closer, we'll ring you back. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good stuff. That's it. It's the quarterbacks, you know, because like you said, you know, Bama loses their quarterback. Clemson uses their quarterback. Ohio State loses their quarterback. Yeah. And then you have that Oklahoma team with Rattler, and that's why I brought him up is that, man, I 
They could take you apart. Yeah, uh, but I'm with Schmidt on the Schmidt on the defense. What does that mm-hmm. look like? That's it. We know Oklahoma is going to be running up and down the field, scoring a ton of points. But when they get outside mm-hmm. of the Big Twelve, what does that mm-hmm. look like defensively for them? And Alabama, that's a huge question mark. We know the recruiting's always been through the roof, roof. But sometimes it takes the young guys a little bit of time to click and really get to the level we're expecting. So everything there, especially with all the weapons, Waddle, Smith, and Najee gone. I mean, man, and like you said, the quarterback, the most important piece that is a lot of turnover there uh, for a team that we really expect year in in year out to be one of the last standing all right we'll come back how many nfl teams what percentage of their players are vaccinated and how many are going to avoid having to deal with what they had to deal with before that's next rothman and ice on the fan What's the best way to scare your kids into submission? By blasting morning juice through the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The Fan. It's time for the NFL 2-Minute Drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, Maddie, drill time. Uh, Eight NFL teams now have 85% of their players vaccinated. So, the NFL and the teams are not releasing any of the info really about like which players are, and that that's fine. They shouldn't. Yeah. Um, but it'll be easy to find out because the rules are going to be a lot more restrictive yeah. on unvaccinated guys. And when training camp opens in less than two weeks, any player who hasn't had his isn't fully vaccinated. Um, then I th- there'll be something going on at camp where they'll have to be isolated at some point. Yeah, everybody's got their own decision to make, but you know, like you said, the rules are out there, and these guys know now what they can and cannot do. Especially when we get into the season, as far as hey, you want to go out to eat when we're on the road, you want to go home during a bye week, all those little things, man. It's all up to these guys. So I'm not here to mm-hmm. tell anybody what they should or shouldn't be doing. Um, but there are, I'm sure for everybody, pros and cons on both sides of it. Well, and there's no guarantee that if you're vaccinated, you can't get it. Sure, sure. That's the other part. Right. But certainly you want to. Like, I think you said it correctly. If, you, if you're willing to go through what you're going to have to go through with the NFL and the NFLPA, they, they've made this incredibly crystal clear. Yep. This is not going to be fun for non-vaccinated dudes. So whether you hate it or don't, that's the rule. Right. And so if this is your livelihood and you know how impacted you are going to be day to day Mm -hmm. at your own team's facilities, then you may be willing to do it. There's another debate on whether they should be forcing that, but they want to make sure that the money and the seasons do not get interrupted Mm -hmm. and that dudes are as safe as they can be interacting and playing and practicing against each other. And if for us as fans, if we don't get before week one that the entire league is in the clear as far as vaccination, it's something that we're going to have to keep in mind. That we we, we, we shouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if we get a, you know, a tweet from Schefter saying, this guy's out this week. or You know, whatever the case is going to be, all that stuff is still going to be in play to some degree. Like I said, it's just to, to each his own with something like this. Matt Nagy and the Bears, the time is now. For the Bears offense.
how can the time be now for the Bears offense if you're not going to give Justin Fields a chance to win the job? Hey, maybe like, they that's see. weird to me. Maybe. That's kind of counterintuitive. Maybe Dalton's been crushing it, man. He's got him feeling good. I don't know. I, I saw that, too, and I was thinking, what's going on? You know where I've been at with this whole Justin Fields thing. I want it sooner rather than later. And uh, they seem to be very, very patient. And look, maybe it's going to be the smart play. It's just a dicey thing, uh, in my opinion, to believe that exactly what happened in Kansas City is going to be the exact same thing that goes down up there in Chi-Town. Well, maybe the time is now he's talking about himself. And if he is talking about himself, then you would think you'd have an open competition. I understand from a franchise and organizational philosophy that you want to protect the dude you traded up for that might be your franchise quarterback for years to come, hopefully. But it was just is, uh, you and I when he we made to the, be definitive about it. Right? Remember when he made the comment? There's nothing that Justin can do to win the job. And we were just like, wait a minute. What do you mean? There's why do nothing that to he him? Can, why right? even say that to him? And why do that to your team? That doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. But as the weeks roll along, and as we're a couple weeks away from training camp. This has the feel of when they strap it up and go gets Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey that it's going to be Andy and it ain't going to be Jay Fields. Well, he says here, and now to be able to have the time to put together this roster, we feel like we're going to have great opportunity offensively to do what we need to do. Yeah, you know where this the is The time going. is now. We know that, and we're looking forward to it. That's the kind of soundbite you uh. give... When you think Justin may win the job. You know where that's coming from? Mm. He's watching the Aaron Rodgers drama unfold. They're, everybody in the yeah. NFC North feeling good. It's our time. 12's about to be out what of here. What do you think I've been saying? <laughs> Get him. Why do you think I wanted him to take the opt-out so badly? I'm no dummy. Oh, Get man. him out of here. Oh, Ship him to the goodness. AFC. Just get him out of the division. Yeah. I don't know if CB and I want him in the AFC. There's enough good quarterbacks over there. Yeah. There's a couple. You, you should have a little time with him. We've had enough. <laughs> All right, that's today's oh, NFL two-minute drill. You got anything else for me, big guy? Oh, <laughs> Federer pulled out of the Olympics. Not a shock, although he says his knee is messed up. Yeah, he didn't. He got drilled. He got bageled in the last set. You're right. He doesn't need to go play in the that. Olympics, especially if he's going to play in the U.S. Open. Right. But if his knee's screwed up, how's he going to play in the Open? I'm going to enjoy know. the All-Star game tonight. That's for sure. It's going to be great seeing these dudes get after it, man. Looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Looking forward to seeing Showtime against Tatis right out of the gate. Yep. We'll come back tomorrow and talk with you guys then. Thanks for listening. Rothman and Ice on the fan. <laughs>